Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. People of the world, Sag Cast of the Bing, live and direct, coming from Los Angeles. It has been a long time, my people, I know. I've gotten a lot of your emails, I've gotten a lot of your texts. Yes, some people actually text me via the radio station, and I've gotten a lot of your instant messages in the chat room on our radio station. It's been a long time, I think about a couple of months that I've done a show, I'm actually getting back into the rhythm of doing things more consistently every Sunday. So probably every Sunday at 8 o'clock. In the evening, that's usually the best time since I guess, you know, that will allow people to do what they do in the afternoon and hopefully they're at home resting, relaxing and all that good stuff. People, what's been happening? Um, what's been happening on this side is uh, the film's been going well. We wrapped up production on Once Upon a Time in the Congo, the mini film. So that is now in post. Got to do some cuts together, see if we can get a composer to put some music on it. And then also start working towards the feature lanes we've been looking to do next year. Hopefully, prayerfully, to shoot down in Trinidad along with some scenes in DRC. Trinidad just happens to look a lot like Congo in certain spots, and I think it'll definitely work. On top of that, the Trinidadians down there gave us a lot of love. I mean, a lot of love down there. Unlike some other nations down there, the Trinidadians, you know, the people from TNT, they gave us love. They're like, come, do down, come down here, 
We'll break down the script. They broke down the script, told us who can cast, told us who can work with. It was good. It was good. So looking good on that. Also, hope I'll have news to announce on the next show regarding a book we've optioned. It's been about three years in the making. Uh, the adaptation has already been completed. The option has been completed. I just want to make sure to wait until everything's been solidified, clarified, and locked down so I can make the announcements to you. It's a nice little period piece um, that I've really, really worked hard to get this thing together and how it felt to me and came back to me and stayed with me. It was really a blessing from God and the ancestors. We have another groove, Topia Olawule's book, uh, Being Police. That adaptation is done, broken down into different segments in reference to chapters. Um, it looks like it'll be a three-part piece. I'd like to do the graphic novel first. It's been a challenge finding a graphic artist. Um, yeah, a lot of people really are not that serious when it comes to working. They are when it comes to drawing, but when it comes to working, somehow the egos get in the way and they feel they should get more than they, than, than they really should get. They think they're further than they really are, and they think, you know, it's all about them. And I think a lot of times people are so vindictive and so bitter that they wait for the opportunities. They love the opportunities where they can say no to somebody so they can do to other people what they perceive to be done to them. So we'll see how that flows, what else is happening. Uh, running to Live, Living to Run, the first the episode zero of The Ghost Forest of Franklin Park is completed. Looks really nice. Sound is tight. Special effects is tight. Jim Nestor. Oh, my God. If y'all need an editor, call that guy. Tim Russ. I'm sorry. Emmy Award winning Tim Russ. Ooh, he did some work on this piece. It's a blast working with him. He just really knows what he wants to do. Very collaborative. Very open to ideas. And he respects the source material. So I'm definitely looking forward to working with him on some other grooves. Jan's back in L.A. from from doing a, a tour around the world on his dad's um Tanker, I believe it was a great journey for him. He got a screenplay done. It's nice to have him back. Did a casting uh, earlier today. It was nice to be there. You know, I, I don't get a chance to be at auditions. Sometimes I don't like being at auditions because I just don't like being there, talking to people who I don't really know. Then I got to talk for a long time. And, you know, I want to know about them. But they're saying I shouldn't do that because, you know, you want to be professional. I'm like, it is professional. I just want to know why people act or do what they do and, what you know, what makes them passionate about the industry and stuff like that. So, Hopefully they'll have, hopefully they'll have some decisions made by tomorrow regarding the roles of evolution and providence. So that was fun. But today's show is really about education and the state of education. And sadly, people, what I convey to all you guys out there is that education is, is just pretty, it's nowhere near it needs to be, and it's getting worse. Right now it just seems like, and this isn't all around, you know, um, my nephew, former student, great coder, uh, Jose Luquin, got admitted to Columbia University. He got accepted, so prayerfully he's going. He's a great student, has older brother um, Juan. He's over at Pepperdine after doing, I believe, two years on a full ride scholarship in the UK. Um, there's a lot of students like that out there. I see them at the debate leagues when we do our tournament through the Los Angeles Metropolitan Debate League, also known as Lambdo, you know, run by Cameron Ward. You know, when I, I love judging. Yes, we have a team in there, and the team's doing very well, getting stronger and stronger by the tournaments and by the rounds and what have you. What I noticed, though, is that a lot of students, in a good way, is that a lot of students at these debate tournaments are really serious. I mean, they're talking about material, looking at material, arguing and debating about material that most adults don't talk about. It was two years ago that we were talking about at a Lambdale 2014, I believe it was. We were talking about lifting the embargo on Cuba, and here it is two years later, you see what's going on with the embargo, diplomatic relations, and things like that between Cuba and the United States. I wonder if Cuba's going to hand over the black woman who's been who fled the police back in the 60s or something like that. I wonder if they're going to hand him over um, exchange for, for closing Guantanamo or something like that. It'd be very interesting how that works. But what I'm seeing today is just a self-righteous apathy among students um, at large where 
a lot of pressure is being put on the teachers to pass students, schools to graduate students, and, you know, um, administrators to make sure students are moving forward, which is, hold on for one moment. I was hearing sirens in the back, so I wanted to make sure they weren't chasing me or anything like that. But what I'm seeing is just a self-righteous apathy. Students don't seem to care. They don't seem to respect um, education that much. They think it's an option. The way the system now is, uh, I know in some places, if you don't call the parents that their child's failing, you can't give them an F. You have to give them a C. I know other places, a lot of people worry about grades. They're trying to pressure teachers to manipulate grades, change grades, or pass students who have never shown up to class. Students, a lot of students are taking advantage of this situation by showing up when they show up, and if things don't work out, they'll complain to the parents, saying it's the teacher's fault, and then the principals, whoever will believe this parents and the student over the teacher. And a lot of teachers aren't really getting support these days. I'm not talking about just an LUSD. I'm talking about at large. A lot of teachers just do not get a lot of support these days. You know, they're under the gun where you can't suspend kids anymore if they hit you. They, they, they pretty much have to stab you now these days, today's students, before you even get any kind of justice for the teacher. And it's really sad because what's happening is that those kids in the classroom who are really there to learn, really get, really there to move forward, really there to take care of some business, are being held back because they're in a class with folks who, they're in the 10th grade reading at a, at a 6th grade level. They're a senior reading at ninth grade level. And what's happening is that they go off to college. Well, let me come back. The California high school exit exam, the Casey, was designed because people were questioning the quality of students coming out of high school in California, obviously, because it's the California high school exam. And at the colleges and universities, they were wondering why these students coming to our campuses so unprepared. When you get to the campus out of senior year, you have to do remedial classes because it turns out you're three years behind where you should be. So now you've got to take these classes and hope to pass these classes before you can take a regular class. So your four-year in college or university turns out to be six years. And God forbid you go to community college where there's a short, there's a staffing short, funding short, or whatever, because if your classes get filled up, those two years that you traditionally should be in a community college can be three, four, five, very easily, six in some places what I've heard, as they don't have enough teachers to fill up the classes, they have way too many students, and they can't get any more classes um, created to address these needs, and you have a lot of adults going back for certification, recertification, and just a lot of people just change their careers. So the way it stands, it's just, it's just really sad, and the thing for me is when you look at other countries, you know, um, we look at other, you know, locations, the continent of Africa, the Middle East, South, you know, um, South America, Latin America, Asia, what have you. For the most, I'm not saying that, you know, students are better around the world, but I just noticed that a lot of the students abroad take education as life and death, whereas here it's seen as more of an option. I can't tell you how many times I've instructed students to write an MLA, MLA format and they give it to me in a different format and they, they act like they either didn't hear, didn't know, didn't care. I can't articulate how many times I've had a conversation with students and it's always about, Mr. Dabingo, what can I do to get my grade up? And they know what they need to do. It's, those, it's, those they're asked, it's like the illusion of action. It seems like they, the, the student feels, well, if I ask what I have to do to get my grade up, that's asking for help. But it's not. I can, I can count on both hands, both feet, and if I was like a, a tail, I count the tail as well. How many times I have talked to fellow teachers across Los Angeles who have just said students don't know how to write, don't know how to articulate. When you read a book, they gloss over words. When you watch a film, they gloss over half the plot because why? Somehow this generation or a lot of the generation is so used to video games. One, because they're playing a lot of, they're doing a lot of texting and stuff like that. They can't, you know, there's too many that write term papers in the form of text messages. And then as a colleague of mine, really, he articulated some time ago, it seems as though 
he was saying that because they're so visual, if they see someone hugging, they think they're in love. They see someone fighting, they think they're angry with each other. So they can't really, they really struggle breaking down the deeper context of a scene or the meaning of a, of a prose or what have you. And it's really challenging because, you know, the generation of students that's graduated over the last two years and now, oh, before I forget, let's come back to the Casey. So anyways, if you didn't pass the case, you didn't graduate. But what happened, Governor Brown, a couple months ago, I guess under pressure from some institution in California, decided to, decided to sign into and take executive action to say that if you pass all your other requirements but fa- fail the case, you will get your high school diploma. Let me say this again. Governor Brown of California stated that if you, I think he made this executive order, what have you, right? If you fail the case, but you pass everything else that was a requirement that was required to graduate, you will be awarded your high school diploma. And this is retroactive to when they start the Casey. We're talking 40,000 new people getting their high school diploma. Is that good? Yes, it's good. Is that great? Yes, it's great. Here's the problem. They failed the Casey. Now we have 40, 30 to 40,000 more people coming into the workforce to compete for jobs that are becoming more scarce. Now, the interesting thing which really brought a warmness to my heart was that when I told my students, my 11th graders about that, they were not happy. They were talking about how they studied so hard, put a lot of work to pass, just to turn around and see people who failed the exam being given their high school diploma. Now, we extend beyond that in reference to the attitude when it comes to the diploma. I can't tell you how many seniors have literally sat in my class without a care in the world that they're failing the class. And I mean literally, they don't care. Somehow they have in their head, everything's going to work out at the end, they're going to graduate, but it doesn't really work out that way. And that's not just, you know, in my classroom. I'm talking about schools across the state. Because, you know, teachers talk when we're at, like, you know, debate meetings or, you know, Loyola mock trial class, Young Lawyers programs like that. Teachers, we all talk. And right now, today's students just doesn't have a passion for anything. You know, they want to play soccer and say that's their passion. They want to do this, but they don't have a passion where they're willing to invest their time and money and resources into it. There just seems to be a self-righteous apathy where students don't care. And becoming more like Denny's and things like that where they sit in the chair and they wait for you to serve them, spoon feed them, and treat them like babies in reference to, hey, look, this is the work you need to do. This is what you have to do because you said you want to be a doctor. You said you want to be a police officer. You said you want to be a teacher. You said, I always love the students that want to be a teacher. You said you want to be a lawyer. You said you want to be the medical field. You said you want to be in tech. But you don't do no work. You don't ask for help. You don't, you don't do anything. It's really sad. And the sad thing is that there's a lot of schools out there encouraging that behavior. And that's the worst thing among everything is they're encouraging that behavior. People feel like, my attitude like, you know what, if you fail one class, you have to do the whole, do the whole year over again. We do it in my country. A lot of other countries around the world do it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of those other countries have higher quality of students coming from abroad to the United States because they look at the valuation of the American uh, university college system, and they see great value in the American college system. High school, they want to do back home because they feel it's better than here. But when it's time for that American education, they come to the United States, go to college, university, and they head back. But what's happening is that today, students somehow think, you know, it's, it's weird. If I could number how often I offered to help students who were failing my class and how many never showed up, it will blow your mind. But somehow the system, LUSD or whoever it may be, somehow seems to feel that it's the teacher's fault when students fail. A teacher can be there till 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, study, um, they can give um, tutoring sessions, all kind of stuff, to have the parents come up, whatever, you know, to talk to the parents and all kind of things. But when the sun goes down, it will always be the teacher's fault. And I think that's why so many of my colleagues have left teaching altogether. 
I mean, I know eight already that have left teaching over the last two months because they said, you know, it's not worth it anymore. We're being held accountable. Things are not our fault. You know, we're being asked to, like, work with kids who don't want to work. And what's happening is that, again, there's a self-righteous apathy out there. And for me, that's just too troubling. It doesn't bode well for the future of this company, this country, this company, this country. Because, again, it ain't for like this. I have students who are more upset about what Trump said than the fact that they're failing a class. I'm, I'm telling you straight up. And it's just, you know, what's it going to change? I'm going to come back to extend what I said earlier. What's going to change that there has to be a set of consequences for the students? Teachers' consequences, they're not brought back. Schools' consequences, they're shut down. Students don't really have a consequence. Right now, if I understand, it's even hard to even, you know, suspend them if they punch a teacher the way things are going. They're taking all this power from the teacher but putting all this um, responsibility on the teachers. And some teachers have their own family. They have their own agenda. They have their own life. Why do they have to be worried about some kids that don't want to study? So for me, it's just the way education. I'm not saying all the place. There's great schools like that one in Chicago where they're graduating, I believe, uh, 100% every year. It's so all boys' college, all young men's college. And everyone's going to a four-year university, I believe. I can't remember their school right now. You may know, but they're in Chicago. Great story. There are great stories all over the place. Yet what I'm seeing is just that we're not holding the students accountable. We're just passing them forward because we don't want to hurt their feelings. If they have an IEP, can't hold them back because they might end up suing the school because the school did everything they're supposed to do. And yet the parents still said, well, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough. There's even a case right now, if I recall correctly, I can't remember the name exactly, but there's a case right now. Right now where students, I believe, are suing LASD to get rid of tenured teacher because so many teachers, so many students are failing. They're saying that's the teacher's fault. So they need to get rid of, they need to have a, a policy to get rid of bad teachers. Now, here's the funny thing about it. Everybody wants to have a policy to get rid of bad teachers, but no one wants to put forward a policy to get rid of bad students. Because I have some students who are part-time. One comes like once a week. When she's there, she's there. Then she's gone for like three days. I mean, it's really bizarre. But yet, somehow, people want to empower the students to think that, well, you know, it's not our responsibility. It's the teacher's fault. I know some great teachers. I, I work with great teachers. I know a lot of great teachers. And to a person, we've all said the same thing. Yes, they can, the student can give their opinion. Yes, the student can talk about how they feel. Yes, the student can talk about what they want. But when it comes to living the work, can't do the work. Now, when it comes to sports, obviously, you know, they all think that, you know, a lot of athletes think they're going to play for the Lakers, the Celtics, or the Celtics, or, you know, play NFL, or Major League Baseball, or Major League Soccer, play for Real Madrid, whatever. But when it comes time to getting help to get tutoring, they don't show up. And that's been the discouraging part. You know, I leave my campus where I teach sometimes 8, 9 o'clock. I'm not doing it anymore. But I was there late, and I was always off tutoring and stuff like that. Students would never show up. And then when they finish, eventually when they did show up, it was always, Mr. Bingham, how can I, what, what I have to get my grade up? You know you have to get your grade up. The thing I want to do it. Most students aren't willing to do it. So in a nutshell, people, I just wanted to run that by you for today. I wanted to keep it real short, and we're going to start extending our shows. I think our regular slot will probably be 8 o'clock from now on down the road, and we'll take it from there. Write in. Let me know what you want to talk about. Yes, I know the Oscars are tonight. We'll talk about that next weekend, the diversity issue. And what is true diversity? And who wants diversity? And what kind of diversity are we talking about? And we touch a lot of things, especially what's going on back home in the old country of DRC Congo, because we're supposed to have elections coming in November. And again, the government has changed the passport. I just got a new passport. Now they changed the passport again. But I wonder why. And yes, I have a nice little surprise for... Uh, a fellow country on April April 6th. Life's an immediate piece we're putting together. Anyways, people of the world, side you can't say, be real, stay real, make a change in life, make a change in your own life, and make this world a better place. I am gone live and direct from Los Angeles, California. Peace out.
Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 